Hi, everyone. Welcome to Portico. Oh, that's right. I'm preaching in the other venue. There's nobody in the room. Hi, everyone. See, you got to respond. This is our online campus and the chapel and the video uh, venue. They're all connecting in at the same time. And if if you don't respond in the room here, they all think, well, Doug's over in Hawaii and uh, we're broadcasting him in and he's not really in the main campus with us here today. But it's great to have you on the ground. It's a long weekend and you've got great plans and we're only going to keep you for seven hours today. So no worry. We'll get you out in plenty of time. No, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're in a series that's called Authentic. And if you're visiting with us today, maybe for the first time, this is a series that we're walking through. It's found in Romans chapter 12. So if you want to take your Bibles, go ahead. If you need to borrow a Bible, ushers, can you help us? If you're in this venue here in the chapel venue, uh, video cafe, raise your hand real high. And somebody's going to get a Bible to you right now. Our ushers are making their way in. You can borrow this, leave it on the chair when you're done. We just want you to see and track with us this morning. And thank you, Usher, so much for doing that. You can also go to uversion.com, look up live events, and you'll find Mississauga Portico. And uh, you can take your notes and actually track along with the Scripture verses right there as well. So when we're talking about this whole area of being authentic, we know, we've seen this, it's in the news, it's in print, we see it online. There's a new quest, there's a surge to discover the authentic. So we've been looking at what does that really look like? How do we unpack that? Because people are tired. Quite frankly, they're just really tired of sort of the mask and the charade, and they're going, I want to know the real deal. I really want to get to the heart of relationships. I want to get to the heart of faith. I want what's genuine back into my life again. And I think we share that passion. So in Romans 12, we've been looking at what does authentic love really look like? The Bible's helping us understand this. And one of the words we're going to discover today is this word honor. Now, as a society, we have many different ways of honoring people. In fact, I'm going to put a picture up for you, just sort of a collage of ways, whether it's the military, we like to salute, we put, you know, uh, give awards and recognitions on their lapels, NFL have Super Bowl rings, the NHL, they give this thing called the Stanley Cup, I don't know what that is, we never see it around here anymore, but... Apparently, that's how we honor a team that really wins. Cubs and Scouts, they get a lot of badges. There's many, many different ways. In fact, I worked, before I went full-time, vocationally into leading a church, I worked uh, in a retail industry, in a grocery industry, and when I had reached a particular milestone, this organization used to celebrate. They used to honor the employees. And I reached a milestone, and they gave me an award. You'll never believe what they gave me. They gave me a clock. So then I had to think, Am I late that they, I need to wake up and get to work on time? What was that all about? And it was actually a really nice little travel clock at the time, and it was a way of just saying, thank you. We want to honor you for your service and the time that you've invested into the company. Well, Paul helps us understand biblically that if we really want to experience what's authentic, then he goes, you need to love. And one of the words we've been looking at is sort of the love through devotion last week And when it's in a crisis or whether it's sort of in conflict or in the unknown or just in the ordinary, he says, you're devoted to one another. But then he moves it up a level and he goes, and honor one another. Now, if you have your Bibles out and you can look at it in the notes here, uh, we've been looking at Romans chapter 12, 9 to 13, and we've been in the New International Translation, the version, which states, honor one another above yourselves. But I, I really like this translation. This is the English Standard Version. And the way that they frame the language here is outdo one another in showing honor. The reason I like that is because the way, the language structure of the original language actually puts honor at the front of the sentence, and then it gives the activity at the back end. 
So Paul would be saying, when it comes to honor, so in honor, he goes, outdo one another. The reason I like that is it appeals to our competitive nature. So he goes, all of you, when, it, when we talk about love and authentic love, he goes, when it comes to honor, I want you to outdo one another. Now, are you a competitive person or not? There's a rhetorical, you can respond. I know you are. We all are. Some of you are going, no, 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 I'm not really a competitive person. We are. Deep down, there's this competitive side where we are, we want to win, we want to achieve, we want to have the results and the rewards. In fact, let me tell you how I know that this church is a deeply competitive church. I watch the parking lot when you come to church on Sunday. And have you ever noticed this? And some of you, you've seen this. You come into, the, you're driving, you've got your family, you've got your friends, you come by yourself in the church parking lot, you turn into the lane and you spot a parking space down near the front of the church. That's like gold around here. And something inside of you, what does it say? That's mine. And right away, your eyes are like zeroed in. You've locked that in your targets. And you see a car turn in the far end of the lane. And all of a sudden, they're like the enemy in the camp, right? You're looking at that person. You tromp the accelerator. You race down the church parking lot. Kids are screaming. Seniors are flailing out of the way. The church is wondering what's going on. You hit the emergency brake. You do a Tokyo drift, pull into that parking space, cut the other person off, and you get out of your car and you go, Good morning. God bless you. Meanwhile, your family is applying for life insurance. They're not sure who the lunatic was that was driving the car a few moments ago. See, we do. We have this competitive nature. We use it when we're on the 401 and we're trying to merge. Some of you, you want to make that other person wait until the line is solid past the dots to get in. And we always have this competitive side. See, that's the self-serving side. That's not what Paul's appealing to. Paul is writing about this grace-redeemed competitive part of our lives. That when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, he doesn't say you dismiss, and I think that's a, that's a good thing. He doesn't say you have to dismiss the sense of competition. He goes, but you allow grace to redeem it. And so when it comes to honor, he goes, I want you to honor one another, but I want you to even do something more. So I want you to outdo one another in the area of honor. Now imagine what that would look like around here on a Sunday. That'd be incredible. That means that when we dismiss a little bit later in the service and you go out, you'd be the person that would just hold the door for everybody else before they go. Now, you wouldn't get out of here till 2 o'clock, but you'd just hold the door. I want to honor you. I want to honor you. Or you go out and we encourage you to pick up a coffee when you're here and meet new people. So you go and you go, can I pour your coffee for you? And Thank you. Can I pour a coffee for you? Thank you. Can I pour a coffee for you? You'd never get away from the coffee line, would you? See, there's part of our self-serving world that says, no, I I want you to take care of me. And Paul says, if you want the authentic, the real deal, he goes, authentic love is when we will honor others and not be self-serving. So here's the qualifier. It's in your notes. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul says this, I want you to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, that's counterintuitive to everything that we are taught and trained and accustomed to. Everybody around us is like, look out for number one. And Paul goes, yeah, look out for number one, but number one isn't you. It's the other person. And he goes, that's when authentic love kicks into high gear. It's when you recognize you have this privilege 
of being able to honor others. So a question we have to ask ourselves, and I want you to take your notes out. We'll take a few thoughts down today. So why do we honor? Why is it that Paul asks us to honor people? Not, not just for the authentic love version of this, but why do we honor? And here's something I want you to put in your notes. It's because honor affirms the intrinsic worth of every individual. That when we give expressions of honor to one another, and even people that we don't know, what we're really doing is we are affirming in them this, what we call, intrinsic worth, this created value. The Bible tells us in Genesis, three different times, God makes a declaration. He goes, let us make man in our image. So God has stamped creation, all of us. This is remarkable. God has stamped you. He stamped me. He stamped every one of us with his divine image. We are image bearers of God, which means that we all have incredible value, that there is no person that we have ever met that does not carry this mark of significance. And so God says, you are my creation, and you are my esteemed value, and I want you to recognize that when you honor somebody, you are actually affirming that it is my hand that created them. So whether they're good or bad, or whether they do right or wrong, none of that is the qualifier. God just says, you're affirming that they have value. Now, if you do a quick scan through world history and contemporary culture, we'll soon discover that we tend to dishonor, and that's more prevalent, and it's more pervasive than our commitment to honor. Prejudice is such an insidious form, and it's so caustic to society that we actually make the determination of whether we're going to choose to honor or to withhold honor, and it's often grounded in our prejudices. So some of the things that cause prejudice are gender, political alignments, social class, age, disability, Religion, sexuality, race, ethnicity, language. I mean, the list goes on. Some of, some of it is taught to us. Some of us, we acclimate and we incorporate into our life because we live in society. But if you look through history and right up into contemporary culture, the authentic is missing because prejudice has forced it out. So we tend to not honor others, and thereby we dishonor their intrinsic worth, the value that God has given us. I think if we just stop there for a moment, imagine the difference that would make to our own personal self-esteem and self-image if we recognize that I am an image bearer of God. Not what I do, not how I serve, not how I perform, not whose name and last name is mine, not whose married name belongs to me or doesn't belong to me, not how many children I have, not how big my paycheck is. God, God said, I love you. And he created every one of us as individuals. So when we collectively get that and we realize that my intrinsic worth is not conditioned on anything except the fact that I am and you are one of God's creations, then God says, now I want you to honor and to serve out into other people's lives. I watched a movie a number of years ago. I'm sure many of you probably saw it. It was called Walk the Line. It was the life story of Johnny Cash. And one aspect of that movie has stuck with me. It's, it's the reflection of, of Johnny Cash, the music singer, his life and what he went through in towards his career and the crash and sort of the rebuilding of his world. But it was his childhood that really captivated me when I watched the movie because he was the second oldest son in the family and his father had placed greater worth and honor on the oldest son. And when you watch it, there would be these moments where the father would continually dishonor Johnny Cash. And that created this incredible rift, this incredible tension that really never healed in his world. 
And it just sort of reminded me of how easy it is for us to mar somebody else's life and to strip them of the worth that they genuinely have. And I've heard the statement. I've heard it and seen it in action before. And we use it, sometimes we use it real simply, but a parent can actually strip away the honor of a child by merely saying, why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like your sister? And in that one moment, a value is placed on an individual that strips that one of their worth. Friends, that's why Paul writes to us. He goes, if you want to know what authentic is, we don't manipulate and compare We give honor to all whom honor is due. And that means everyone is worthy of being a recipient of honor. David, actually, if you look in your notes, David picks this idea up and he actually articulates it best. And it's Psalm chapter 8, verse 5. He's talking about God's creation and the wonder of God's creation. And then he makes this declaration. He said, God, when it comes to humanity, he said, you have made them a little lower than the angels and you have crowned them with what? Glory and honor. So think about that. When you leave today, God has crowned you with glory and honor. That's powerful. Like we have an incredible inheritance. That means every time we choose to honor somebody, we are affirming their worth as established by God. So we honor people for all that they are and all that they do. Paul would actually pick up on this and teach to the believers in Galatians chapter 3, and I put it in your notes. He not only talks about the honor that we have because of God's redemptive creation, but he, or, or because of God's creative plan, but he talks about because of God's redemptive plan. Galatians 3.28, he said, There is neither Jew or Gentile, slave or free, nor is there male or female. He goes, You're all one in Christ. So Paul levels the playing field. And he goes, never, never, never make the mistake of assuming that some are worthy of greater honor than others. He goes, honor is to be affirmed and attributed to all individuals. And I think if we could just take that away, that would make our day. Because we could walk out of here going, I am an image bearer of God. And everybody that I see is an image bearer of God. But you know the challenge to this is we bump into those moments where we question it. And I face the same challenge. There will be moments and I'll be walking down and I'll be going through Streetsville and I'll see a panhandler and I have to check my attitude right away to go, uh, Doug, you could be in that same situation if it wasn't for the grace of God. That that person shouldn't be viewed any differently. You know, it's really easy because people bypass and make these big circles around them and we immediately make a judgment call as to what took place there. And I just feel this little whisper of the Holy Spirit and go, okay, be careful now. Don't, don't judge somebody. Don't prejudice your understanding. That is an image bearer of God. That man, that woman, they are God's child. And so how we respond makes a world of difference, doesn't it? And if we were to leave today, just the groups that are listening to my voice and those that are watching online and if you're listening to this recording, if we were to leave today with this thought that we would honor and affirm the worth of every individual that we encounter, we'd change our world. We would change our world. But the Bible doesn't leave it there. So if you go back into your notes, it even goes deeper. There's a reason why we honor. And here's a second thought. Because honor acknowledges the importance of submitting to people and to positions of authority. That the Bible teaches us that not only has God called us to honor one another, but he said he's established systems and roles in our society that are worthy of honor. That we have civil leaders We have church leaders, we have teachers, educators, we have equippers, we have bosses, and all of them serve in capacities whereby honor is due 
to the person and to the position we carry. Now, you might start to just get a little tense over that and go, but if you knew who that person was, well, we're going to look at that in just a moment, and I'm going to have a little bit of a teaching on this. But honor is the gift that we give to God and gift we give to others, recognizing that God has established and we operate within the proper structures. And even within dictatorial regimes and slavery and abusive and controlling leaders and parents, there is a moment where honor is the way that defines who we are as followers of Christ. And Paul calls us to a much higher standard. So does Peter. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2.17. He says, I want you to show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and get this, he goes, and I want you to honor the emperor. That even those that are abusive with their power, those that have you under an imposed form of control, almost to the point of slavery, he goes, I want you to honor the emperor. So whether it's governing authorities, employers and teachers, teaching pastors and elders, husbands and wives, parents, even God, he goes, honor is due to those whom honor is worthy. And so I want to take a little moment. We're going to pause here. I'm going to take you to the side screens. And Craig Groeschel was one of the faculty teachers at the Leadership Summit. We host it every year, August 6th and 7th this year. Mark your calendar. But Craig was teaching, and there was a message that he did dealing with raising up new leaders, emerging leaders, and young leaders. And then he got, he got onto a rabbit trail, and he started to talk about honor. Such a good little teaching. I want to share it with you this morning. Let's watch it. And in, in Mark chapter 6... Verses 4, Jesus said some interesting words. He said, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without what? Jesus said, is a prophet without honor. Now, I can't explain this next portion of the text. Maybe someone smarter than I am can. But Scripture says, it didn't say he did not, but it says Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now again, I can't explain this and don't fully understand it, but somehow because of a lack of honor and a lack of faith, this limited what Jesus could do. And I, if I can just um, run on a short rabbit trail, one of the reasons I believe that we're a culture that doesn't show honor upward to people is because we've forgotten to show honor toward God. Can I just say, God is not the man upstairs. He's not the big guy in the sky. Jesus is not your homeboy, and we don't pray to the six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. Okay? Jesus is the soon-returning, conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. And when we learn to honor God for who He is, then we'll naturally, more naturally, honor those around us. Honor builds up. Dishonor tears down. Honor believes the best. Dishonor believes the worst. Honor values others. Dishonor devalues them. And I would argue all day long that in our businesses and in our ministries and in our churches, that because of a lack of honor and a lack of love, we are limiting what could happen through generations that would work together. In fact, one time um, Amy and I, were, my wife and I, were working with a couple and they had a really struggling marriage. And the, um, the wife was just belittling the husband over and over again, trash-talking him, and I was kind of looking for a diplomatic way to intervene. And finally, my wife, Amy, just jumped in and said, Cut it out, woman! And she's like, huh? And Amy just said, You continue to dishonor your husband, and that is not right. And the woman said, We'll have 
my husband were one-tenth the man that your husband is, maybe I'd show honor to him. And my wife blurted back, maybe my husband is who he is because I've honored him all these years. Honor builds up. Some people say, you know, if my pastor were honorable, I'd show honor to him. Or if my boss were honorable, I'd show honor to her. I believe with all my heart that respect is earned, but honor is given. You show honor to those who are above you. Respect is earned, but honor is given. So often people think, well, when you're honorable, I'll treat you with honor. But here's the deal. Sometimes it's when I ascribe honor to you that you become more honorable. And there are some in the younger generation that you need to repent to your leaders and to your pastors and to your bosses because you have been dishonoring and you have been getting in the way of what could happen if you would show honor to those who are above you. If you ever want to be over, you need to learn to be under with integrity. You serve those over you faithfully and watch what happens. Great teaching. Yeah, great teaching. And uh, let, me, let me just say, let me press pause. And if you're watching online, this applies for all of us here. We host two days of the Leadership Summit. It is world class. It is, I will not miss it for myself. Whether I lead a church or not, it just changes my world. And every year, I remind our church community, I go, we get this incredibly discounted rate. It's only $89 until June the 9th. You can come for two just, again, it's world-class days of teaching, equipping, inspiring, and it'll change your world, and I don't want you to miss that. So it's in your bulletin, and be sure to sign up this coming year. I, I invite people to come every year, and every year I'll have somebody that'll come for the first time. They go, well, why didn't you tell us it was this good? I go, I do. Every year I get up and tell you. It's just taking you 10 years to come. So I'm giving you all advance notice. It's 89 bucks. It's the best money you're ever going to spend. Let's get back into our message. So here's what the Bible says. If you want to be authentic in your love, honor is extremely critical to our world. Honor acknowledges the importance of submitting to people and to positions of authority. That respecting, whether they're in our homes or in our governments or over our cities or in our churches, wherever they fit, we bring honor into their world because it's what God has called us to do. Romans thirteen seven in your notes, Paul drives us again into the, the believer's community, and he said this, if everyone... Give to everyone whatever's due them. If it's honor, then give them honor. So never let a debt remain outstanding. And if you owe people honor, and he said, that's the way we do it. So what a wonderful opportunity. Not only does it affirm this intrinsic worth of value, but it means that we're acknowledging that we have a responsibility that even those who serve over us, we honor them. Well, let's go to our notes. One more thought I want you to take away. It's this, that honor, honor accepts the privilege of showing love with no hidden agenda. See, why do we honor? And I think this is one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave to us. He goes, you have this privilege that you can actually show love and you don't have to have a hidden agenda behind why you do it. Can I tell you in my role that there are times that I sort of stop and I, I wonder why people are actually showing me honor or showing me favor. And I go, is there something you want from me? Are, are you looking to get something out of me? Can I, can I be influenced in a certain way? We see it in political circles. 
We talk about that, how maybe we'll give honor to somebody, hoping that maybe that'll open up some opportunity, that they'll grant favor or privilege. And yet the Bible says that's not why we do this. There's no hidden agenda. Jesus actually talked about this to his followers. He goes, really be careful about this. He said, when you go to a banquet or a feast or you go to a wedding gathering, he said, when you get there, he said, don't sit in the positions of honor. Don't go near the head table. He said, for a couple of reasons. One, those are reserved for the guests accordingly. He goes, but how embarrassing would it be that if you were to be seated there, they'd have to actually ask you to move. They'd come and say, could you please go over here? Now, nobody wants to experience that, would they? And so Jesus goes, don't put honor into your world in an undue way. Now, how do you bring that into a contemporary kind of world for us? Well, I think if you just think about what it's like to fly in the plane. So we all buy a ticket to go on the plane, and we know what it's like when you get on the plane and you get back into coach and your knees are up by your ears and your seats don't recline. You don't have all that extra space. And we're thinking about those people up in executive and business class. Anybody with me so far? Yeah, we're all there. We understand that. Well, what Jesus was saying is, he goes, hey, you know, when you get on the plane, how many of us are tempted just to kind of park ourselves in business class? So wouldn't it be a fun exercise? We should do this. Next time you fly, get on the plane and just sit down in business class and see what happens. Just kind of park yourself, put your bags up in the overhead and just kind of sit there and wait for them to come and wait on you. You know what's going to happen. They're going to check your ticket and they're going to go, uh, excuse me? You didn't even really pay coach fare. You should actually be serving on the plane. You got to go back. And so then you're going to have to get up in front of all business class and go, excuse me, sorry, 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 sorry. But Jesus goes, wouldn't it be great that if the honor that we experience is when you're way back in coach, they, yeah, they come and get you and they bring you up to business class. We all dream about this stuff, don't we? And then in those rare moments, like they just tempt us after 4,000 flights, they just kind of do that. And you know how we act. We get our bags, and then we walk up there like we belong there all along. We should have been there like from the beginning. But the whole honor part of our world is not to think higher of ourselves than we should. And so the privilege that we have is showing love to everyone with no hidden agenda. So no matter what we do, where we go, what we're engaged in, we get to honor people just because of who they are. And we're not manipulating. We're not controlling them. If you look at the word, this is very interesting. Uh, when I was doing my prep for today, I was looking at the word. And the Greek word for honor, if you were to transliterate it and just take an English equivalent, it would be spelt T-I-M-E. It's Tamiya. But it's not time in our concept. So that's just the Greek transliteration. But I like that. Because the more I thought about it, I thought, isn't honor really about time? Isn't the way we honor people, couldn't that be one of the ways that we honor people is that we actually give them our time? So imagine if you're a busy mom or dad and you came home and you've had a full day and you just want to crash and relax and you've got toddlers and infants and young kids running around the house and the last thing you want to do is try to balance them in your world and you just want to sit in your chair and go, whew. But can you imagine what it would be like to honor them, to actually get down on the floor at their level and just play with them for a few minutes and just connect and engage? Or as parents, when your teenagers have been just as obnoxious as they can possibly be all week long, which tends to be quite often in some worlds, and when they come to you, you know, when I was growing up, I was just thinking about some of the ways I treated my parents. And I thought, wow, I'm surprised they didn't sell me and buy a used car. Probably couldn't have got that much money for me. But, you know, as a parent, 
to walk into their world and go, I'm just going to give you a gift of time. My dad did that one time. I remember we had, uh, we had one of those abrasive weeks. Parents know what those are like. And I'm sure it would have been much easier just to come home and just ignore that teenage boy. And my dad walked down into my world and he said, Doug, do you want to go out and shoot hoops? And I was just about had a heart attack. I mean, that's hard to believe at a young person's age. But I was like, are you kidding me? You want to go out and shoot hoops? And that's what we did. We went outside. He honored me in that. Well, imagine, parents, if we did that, rather than always complaining about our kids, we actually honored them with a gift of time. Or what would it be like if we gave our spouse the gift of time? That we would spend a day together, or we'd surprise him or her and show up at their workplace and take them out for lunch, or buy them a coffee, or plan a special day for them. Or to give time back to our parents. So not just when we're young and we're children at home and, you know, cleaning up our rooms. Well, I should do that as an adult, actually. But anyhow, to give time to our parents, and maybe when they're aging, to go visit them and say, Mom and Dad, are there any tasks or errands that I could do for you? Do you need help with some of the duties around here? Time with our neighbors, time with our community. Proverbs 14.31, it says this, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Jesus would actually speak this into our world. He would say there was a a time when he's going to bless his followers, and he goes, this moment looks this way. He said, "I I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me, and I needed clothes, and you clothed me. He said, I was sick and in prison. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me, and the righteous are going to say to him, but Lord, when did we do this? When, when did we do any of those things? And then Jesus responds, and he said, I will say that whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Whatever you did when you showed honor with no hidden agenda, that you just merely loved people for who they are, He goes, that's when you're really edifying and honoring me. There's a monastic order, and it's uh, St. Benedict's, and they have a little tagline, and I really like it. It says, receive all strangers as Christ. Everybody that we look at, receive them as though they were Christ. Here's a quote. This one um, scholar on this passage of Scripture, he said this, if our neighbor is one for whom Christ died, and the Son of Man is mysteriously present in our neighbor, then our neighbor represents Christ to us, and he is worthy of greater honor than we show ourselves. What a gift that we have to give people. So when we talk about the authentic, the authentic isn't just about saying I love you. The authentic is about expressing love through honor. So our challenge this week is not just to take the information, but bring it to a point of transformation where the world we'll see that we are truly the followers of Christ. Psalm 112, verse 9, it's in your notes. We'll put it on the screen for you. It says this, that they share freely and give generously to those in need, and their good deeds will be remembered forever, and they will have influence and, what's the word? Honor. Honor. And over in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 20, God says, those who honor me, I will honor. Now, I don't know about you, But that's the kind of authentic life that I crave. So let's do this together. Father, this morning, that's what we pray. That this wouldn't be something that we just tuck away into our minds and our notes into a conversation later on. But this day, we would put into practice the very expression of love 
as demonstrated through honor. And I believe that we all need to do a little bit of an inventory. And Father, I pray, would you help us by your spirit right now? Just to do a quick heart check. Are there people in our lives that we have been prejudiced towards and we have failed to show them the honor that's due them? Are there those that we have, individ- uh, we have uh, hurt and wounded with our words and we need to go back and show them the proper honor? And Lord, whatever sphere of relationship, whether it's at work or in church or back in our neighborhoods, in our community or with family, I pray that we of all people this day would resemble what you call us to in the authentic life, to be people who honor others because of their worth, because of positions that they serve into, and because, God, it's just the way to show love. And so I pray this today, and I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.